0: We welcome you to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We believe God has a message for you today that will encourage and speak truth to your heart and life. Let's join Pastor Melanie Bertolio as she shares the word with us today. Woo! That song, those those last two songs that we just did, Evidence, I've seen the evidence of your goodness. What goodness? Oh, the goodness, the goodness of Jesus. Satisfied, yes. He's all that I need. Oh, I love that. So good. Yeah. God really is good. That's right. He's genuinely, truly, amazingly good. So true. No. And you know, when I think about that, I, well, I think about just a lot of things. Over the last few days, we've experienced some goodness in our family. We got us a new feller that's going to be coming in. We're pretty excited about that. He showed up tonight looking like Rick Bertolio. I said, man, you know how to, you know how to do this. <laughs> he's got his boots and his plaid shirt. Man, he knows what he's doing. He's no dummy. <laughs> and he's getting as red as rick that's right you know what though that's the goodness of god yes, yeah. when 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 isaac told me personally he'd already had he already had rick's permission he didn't get mine but he <laughs> but <laughs> but you know he told me personally he said i just wanted to tell you myself that i just love shelby and and, you know, I just thought about the goodness of God in that moment because I told him, I said, I've prayed for you for so long. I didn't know who I was praying for. But it's, that's the goodness of God. And I, then tonight I was walking from the foyer into this gym and I heard someone yell, Mima! And I saw London. And I praised God. London and the goodness of God in her life. She is healthy, healed. She is whole, and she was so excited to see her mima. And then Julia comes running behind her, and I just thought, that's the goodness of God. That is the goodness of our God, and it doesn't mean that things aren't hard, does it, Brooke? It does not mean things aren't hard, and sometimes it means you have to shut yourself up just to keep the faith. Jesus did that; he put people out so that he could, so so that he there was only faith in a room. But there's a mom and a dad that have been standing in faith, and grandparents and 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 and, and family here because we're family, believing and we just watch the goodness of God just run right in that door. And we've all got something that we can look at and recognize in our own lives as the goodness of God and I could go around the room and point that out. And we're talking tonight this is the part is part 3 of a wonderful life. And and that's what that's what a wonderful life is is living in the goodness of God. And and you know, we base this movie was is kind of you, you can tell just by the the font and the coloring here that that Chapman this was Chapman's idea. But you know, we were talking about Zoe, the God kind of life, and Chapman said, you know, we're just coming out of of the Christmas season, and everybody's watching. It's a wonderful life, and that's what the Zoe kind of life is. Is it's the wonderful life that a Christian gets to walk out and live in. But it's not oh my goodness how did I miss the goodness of God right over here on the front row. We've got goodness of God everywhere. We've got wonderful life everywhere. But we don't always we don't always live acknowledging the wonderful life. We don't always live acknowledging the goodness of God. And it's not that we intend to to not. It isn't that nobody wakes up and says, you know what, today, I'm just going to ignore all the wonderful good things that God does in my life, and I'm just really going to focus on the negative. Nobody does that. But but we do live in that place sometimes, and sometimes it's hard not to. And that's why we need each other. How many of y'all saw pastor's post about the church? I'm going to tell you something. When you see those things online You've got to share them. That was one of our most shared posts, but you've got to share them. Here's why. Because people need to know the importance. I loved Shauna's response to that. I'm a living proof, is what she said, of the importance of the church. Why? Because when I can't see the goodness of God, when I can't recognize that I have a wonderful life, one of you is going to make me real mad and point it out to me but I need it. Yes, I need right. you to do that for me, and we need to do that for one another because that's what it means to be the church. And you know what? When you I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you know this or not, but sometimes it feels real good to wallow. <laughs> you all probably don't know that. But I can tell you from experience, it actually feels kind of good to wallow sometimes. And it feels real good to be the victim. And it feels real good to to, to gripe and complain. And nobody really wants to hear how great their life is in that moment. But it's like I said, we need that. And we need each other for that. And here's here's why we need the church. Because we're all family. But for some reason... I could receive that better from Tina Snellgrove than I could from Rick Bertolio going, just suck it up. Your life's not that bad. (laughs) I mean, am I right? So we need the greater family to be able to speak into our lives and, and, and help us to recognize that we truly do have opportunity for a wonderful life. We have an opportunity to live the God kind of life, but it doesn't mean we will because that's our decision to make. We get to choose whether or not we do that. It's a wonderful life is honestly one of my favorite Christmas movies. It's one that I watch every single year. I had it on VHS for a long time and, and then I went and got it on a DVD. I've actually had it on two or, I mean I've got two or three copies of it. People have bought it for me because they know I I love that movie and 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 then and now I'm to the point where I never even have to get it out because it's on satellite. They marathon it all day long like for I don't know 18 weeks leading up to Christmas and and it's just it's just out there. And the truth of the matter is is it's it's a little bit of a dark story really. You know? I mean, if you think about it, the fact that I love the you know, this I'm drawn to this dark story is kind of <laughs> a little a little wonky that uh, but it is what it is. Um, but it's about George Bailey. And George Bailey is a guy that we would all look at and go, man, he's got it all. I mean, he's running the best, best business in town other than, you know, what old cranky guy is running. But, but he's, got, he's a business owner. He's successful. He's got things going on. He's got a wife and a family. He's got a, a, a home that eventually becomes a nice home. He's got a, a car. And, and, and he's, he's got a pretty good life, it would look like to us. The problem was it didn't look like that to him. And, and so, you know, if you've never watched the, the, the movie, you know, Chapman always does. I don't want to do a spoiler alert. Here's the deal. I'm going to spoil it for you. If you have never watched it, he tries to commit suicide um, when his business kind of gets sabotaged by the other big-time heavy-handed business owner in town. And, and so he jumps in off of a bridge into the river, and then uh, we have... Uh, the entrance of Clarence, who is an angel who is dispatched from heaven to come to the earth and convince George Bailey that his life is worth living. And so when George finally has the light bulb moment where he realizes the impact of his one life, um, he suddenly realizes that he has a wonderful life. Um, the town rallies behind him. He's redeemed in the end. And, and it's just a, a beautiful story. And, and, and they all lived happily ever after. I like stories where everybody lives happily ever after at the end. Um, and that's, that's what happens in this fictional story. But it's not what always happens in real life. I mean, it's not. I know, I I have known a lot of Christian people over the years who have been quite miserable for the biggest part of their lives. And they believed, honestly, that that's just how they were supposed to be. I'm just supposed to be poor. I'm not supposed to have stuff. I'm not supposed to to want things. And I don't know where they get that. Um, Well, I, I think I do. I think they get it from old hymns that weren't scriptural to start with. Did I say that? But yes, I did. Um, but but we just really got, and, and again, it's not, nobody's just thinking, I want to think as just, I just want my doctrine to be as uh, as opposite from what the Bible actually says as it can be. Nobody thinks like that, but yet so many people have uh, the, this ideology that they think is biblical that's really not god is not looking for you to to have nothing and to live uh you know it says blessed are the poor in spirit that's not blessed are the poor in their bank accounts because the when you're poor in spirit what you what it means is you recognize that without christ You are nothing within. But with him, you are highly valuable. You are so valuable that God sent his own son to die for you, that you might be redeemed. Okay? So... So we, we get this idea in our head of what it, it means to live a Christian life, and it's not necessarily always biblical. And, and so God doesn't necessarily want your bank account to be at zero. And it's pastor or somebody just a few days ago gave a really good example. I mean, how can you give if you have nothing? I mean, that was one of the, when he taught the first time on the storehouse, it kind of rocked our world because it's talking about the storehouse. He he made the equivalency of the storehouse being your savings account. See, the storehouse isn't the part that you're using on the daily. It's the part that you're putting back. And, And it says that God will bless your storehouse. So when you think about your bank account, God's blessing your storehouse. Well, Rick and I, I think the first time we heard that, I think the storehouse balance might have been negative. I don't know. But there was, no ba- there was nothing in the storehouse. And it says he's going to bless what's in your storehouse. Well, how can he bless nothing? He's going to multiply nothing. Well, you know what zero times zero is? You know what a million times zero is? So, so I'm just telling you, we've got to get an idea of what the Christian life really looks like according to the Word of God. And so when, when we look at someone's life and we see them living this life that looks fabulous, but we know that they're destined for hell, we got to know that's not a wonderful life. But at the same time, God doesn't want us to be heaven bound and and look so unattractive to the world that nobody would want to go where we're going. So we want to talk about a wonderful life. What does it mean to live a wonderful life? The reason that movie is, is so popular is because we can relate to George Bailey. It's kind of that nice guys finish last way of thinking and and a lot of people have that way of thinking and the truth is it feels like that sometimes but the fact that it feels like that doesn't mean it's necessarily true i have to fight that i have to fight feeling like it doesn't do any good to do the right thing because you're gonna look around and if you're looking to see people who aren't doing the right thing still prospering you'll find them But I'm I'm looking at this movie and I'm thinking to myself, okay, what is it that makes George so relatable to us? And what could we learn from George Bailey, a fictional character in a fictional story? I think we can learn some stuff. Uh, George had some major major flaws that kind of wreaked havoc on his life from the beginning of the movie, from the time he was a kid, when he became deaf because he went to save his brother and guess what? He went to do a good thing, and it caused him lifetime harm. And, and he had to live with deafness in one ear because he dove into an icy lake or pond or something. And, and so, you know, I mean, he had major flaws because he was always looking at the negative. And four flaws that I looked, I mean, you can find a lot of flaws in George Bailey, but these are the four that I felt like we could relate to. And these are the four that we're going to talk about. Number one, he rebelled against the life that God had called him to. The second one is this. He compared his life to others, and he had a victim mindset because of that. Number three, he lacked gratitude, and he became jealous. And number four, he didn't see the big picture of his life. So... Those are four things that I think we can all relate to. And and so we're going to move away from the movie and we're going to think about how those four things in our own lives might prevent us from living a wonderful life, from living a Zoe life, the God kind of life. All right. So number one, um, rebelling against the life that God has called you to. You know, we make a lot of our own plans And then we ask God, after we've made the plans, after we have put the plans into motion, after we are chest deep in the plan, and we see it not going well, we will. While I've still got some air... Lord, let me use this breath to ask you to bless something that you you never wanted in the first place. Now, God has plans for each and every one of us, and 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 the, here's what I can tell you: the outcome of His plans are good. How many of you can testify that the outcome of your own plans hasn't always been good? I can think of some very pivotal moments in my life where something in my brain went, that's probably not a good idea. And yet I moved forward and then some, in some cases spent years Dealing with the, the consequences of trying to live life according to my own plan, but we make plans because we have an expected outcome. We call them good plans, but they may not be God plans. And in 1 Corinthians ten twenty three, it says, "While everything is permitted, not everything's beneficial or good for us." Yeah. So God's never going to just jump out there and go, "Stop!" He's going, "No, you Pastor says it to Chapman and I all the time. You can do that if you want to." <laughs> oh, I don't know if I think it's a good idea. Guess what? There's a reason he's the top dog. <laughs> but but really, God's not going to to to, to halt everything the moment we start heading down a wrong path or or i mean you know sometimes it's just the the choice between better and best and he's not going to say hey i got the best over here for you he's not going to do that everything's permitted it's just not always beneficial In Proverbs 16:3 it says commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. See, the idea is to go to the Lord and ask him what his plans are for you and you get on board with his plan rather than asking him to get on board with yours well after that plan is set in motion. Proverbs 19:21 says you can make many plans but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And in Psalm 40, verse 4, it says, Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all of your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. Don't think for one moment that maybe because you've messed up one plan of God, that you missed an opportunity, that, that, that he, well, he's throwing up his, I, get, I had something for you and now it's gone. No, it says that his plans are too numerous to list. So the moment you kind of shun one and you move past that and maybe the window of opportunity does go away on that one, don't think for one moment that he can't have something better for you the next time around. So if you've messed up the plan, there is good news for you. There's another one. There's another one. So we make these big plans, and we don't ever plan for them to go wrong, but sometimes they do. One of the things that I see people doing, especially Christian people, is they think that the only way to really live out the plan of God in their family or in their life is to impact a maximum number of people. And I see these people and I hear people talking about, oh, yes, the Lord showed me in a vision that I was going to be speaking before thousands of people. Well, can I just tell you something? I don't know how many are in here right now. 125? I don't know, 120. On a Sunday, there's usually 250, something like that. Never have I had a dream that I would be standing in front of 250 people and speaking. I'm not saying God doesn't give those dreams. I'm not saying that. But what I'm telling you is, if God's given you that dream, and if it's truly from God, hang on to that dream. No one's saying that that isn't true, that God's not going to do that. But don't go tell the whole world all the, the plans, because My experience is that oftentimes that is the person's dream, not necessarily God's dream. Here's how I know that. Because more important than it is to impact the masses, it's important that you impact the person in front of you. Whoever that happens to be. And God's plan is far more about you impacting the person in front of you. Whatever you happen to do. When I was 16 years old, I worked at McDonald's. Well, here's what I can tell you. I missed lots of opportunities. But that was the plan in that moment was for me to impact people in McDonald's. And wherever you happen to be, that should be your plan. Impact the people in front of you. That's not saying that you won't one day impact thousands. But let God bring that plan to fruition for you. All you got to do is say yes to every opportunity that's set in front of you. You don't have to tell the world all the big plans that God has. because, Because here's what happens. Is when they turn out to really just be your plans, you look foolish and you discredit God in the eyes of other people. And so when you are really genuinely trying to follow the plan of God, it's, it doesn't have to be one that you shout from the mountaintops what he's told you. Just do what he said one day after another. Put one foot in front of another and he will open doors. Self-promotion is not something that... Is ever going to work in the kingdom of God? In in, in our morning assembly, we always on, on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays we the kids bring proverbs and they talk about proverbs that are um, the, meaningful to them. And this morning, um, Olivia brought this proverb. I think she might is she down with the kids? I don't know, but. Um, But Olivia brought this proverb, and it fits so perfectly with what I'm talking about here. In Proverbs 25, 6, it says, Don't demand an audience with the king or push for a place among the great. It's better to wait for an invitation to the head table than to be sent away in public disgrace. And and so many people have these plans for themselves that are so self-promoting that even though you might be truly gifted and talented to do certain things, for the kingdom, in the kingdom, God can't use you because you're so busy trying to promote yourself and your plan. Yeah. You're trying to get ahead of the plan. Yeah. We've got to learn to submit ourselves to God and submit our plans to God. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. So he has plans for you. And those plans are for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. So his plans always end in success. They are full of hope. And our plans are the ones that are going to end in disaster. So why don't we latch on to his? The outcome is guaranteed success every single time. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it does mean that he will cause those plans to succeed so the first one is this that that we sometimes in life we rebel against the call of god or the plan of god for our own life number two we compare our life to the lives of other people and theodore roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy and i couldn't agree more with that Um, and here's how i know it experience because every time i find myself in life comparing myself to someone else what am i doing i'm focusing on what i don't have and someone else does and that there's nothing there's no joy found in that its on, comparison is only good now listen to me there is a a, a a situation in which comparison is good and it's only good when it motivates you to greater excellence and comparison can motivate you to greater excellence. When I see someone who's really good at something and I'm, I'm, I'm gifted in that area, I can say, you know what, I, I've, I could improve. I could be better. It can motivate me to greater excellence. And so comparison's not always bad. But it's only good when it motivates you to greater excellence. And that excellence has got to be founded in a desire to please God and to grow the kingdom. In uh, Romans 2.11, it says God doesn't show favoritism. So when we're comparing ourselves to other people, we often are doing that as if God has sold us short. As if he withheld something from us. And the word tells us that he withholds no good thing from us but we we kind of when we are are comparing ourselves to others we're doing so under the assumption that god must have favoritism from between us now god does give favor and favor is given to select individuals but it's that's based on what you do and you get to choose whether or not you walk in the favor of god and you live under the favor of God. And that's all about obedience and the the posture of your heart. But the context of Romans uh, 2, 11 starts in verse 9, and it says this. It says, There will be trouble and calamity for everyone who keeps on doing what is evil, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile, but there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism here's what you can read from that well there's a lot you can read from that but we're and we're not gonna break the whole thing down but trouble and calamity are coming for those who don't submit to God's plan for those who aren't obedient and it doesn't matter what that plan is no matter what someone else's plan looks like that doesn't matter doesn't matter how much you wish someone else's plan was your plan But glory and honor and peace are coming for those who submit to God's plan, to his way. No exceptions. He doesn't play favorites. If you, All you have to do is submit. Submission and obedience will go so far for you in the kingdom of God. I don't know why God's plan for me is what it is. I don't know why it's different from yours. I do know that there's not one plan that's better than another plan. They're just different. And I know this, he shows no favoritism. And whatever your plan happens to be, if you will submit and obey, you will be successful. Um, Comparison, unless it motivates you to a greater level of excellence in God's plan for you, does nothing but steal your joy. So that's number two. Number three, uh, many times we lack gratitude and we are just downright unthankful. And, and, And I think that unthankfulness is just the offspring of comparison because I don't think you can live in a place where you are constantly comparing yourself without developing this attitude of unthankfulness. And so... So when we compare, we become unthankful. And then when we are unthankful, we become jealous. And those are all ugly, ugly things. Um, The Bible has a lot to say about jealousy and about unthankfulness. Um, In Romans 1, Paul's describing uh, people who are evil or wicked. And it says in uh, verse 21, it says, They knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. So wicked people are not thankful people. It says they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. And I believe there's a reason it puts it in that order. They wouldn't worship him or even give him thanks. And as a result, they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And the fact is that we've probably all done that. We've decided why in the, why God is being mean to us and not blessing us the way that he's blessing someone else. And, and that's coming up with foolish ideas about what God's like. And our minds become dark and confused. And so here's what I'm telling you. When you are ungrateful and you are jealous... Your mind is dark and confused. You don't think right. 2 Timothy 3 says people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. Again, he's talking about what wicked people, the, the traits of wicked people. And one of those traits is that they are ungrateful. Grateful. In James 3, it says jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So when we move from comparison into a lack of gratitude, into jealousy, we are treading on some very dangerous ground. We are giving, the Bible calls it giving a, a foothold To the devil, we're giving him something to work with. The moment we decide to live in this place of being jealous, we are giving Satan something to work with. So we've got to learn not to do that. Um, Ungrateful people are referred to as wicked. But the Bible also talks about thankful and grateful people. In Psalm 107, it says, Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he's done for them. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. In Psalm 92, 1, it says, It's good to give thanks to the Lord to sing praises to the Most High. And in Psalm 69, 30, and I love this, it says, I will praise God's name with singing and I will honor him with thanksgiving. And most of the versions put it this way. They say, I will praise God's name with song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. That's what grateful people do is they praise, they worship him. Remember the earlier verse said they wouldn't worship him or even give him thanks. But when we love God and recognize who he is in our lives, we worship him and we magnify him with thanksgiving. Well, what does it mean to magnify him with thanksgiving? So what happens when you magnify something? You see it more clearly. You see it more closely than you were able to see it before. You see the details. You see the intricacies of what you are magnifying. So when we offer thanksgiving, it allows us to see God for who he really is, to see his true character All the details of who he is. And it allows us to see into his heart for us as his people. But if that is true, then the inverse is also true. And when we fail to be thankful, we miss out on who God is. We're unable to see who God really is. We are, our minds are darkened. And we're not able to see God clearly as we should. And the, and the problem with that is this. He's not changed one bit in all of that. He is who he is. I am who I am. He is still God. And it's not he that's missing out on anything. It's we who miss out. So when we understand who God really is, when we worship him, and when we magnify him with thanksgiving, and we begin to see who he truly is, our faith grows. We begin to believe not just that he can move on our behalf, but that he wants to and he will. And so it's important that we understand the that the, Thanksgiving, you know, we, you know, when I was growing up, I will enter His gates with Thanksgiving in my heart. I will. You can go to the place where you make it a something funny. It's not. That's that's the Word of God. I will enter His gates. You know what that means? That don't mean that means this. It means that um, when you come in to church. That first song shouldn't be the, the, the worship team up here trying to get you in the mood to worship. It means you should walk in that door. I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter His courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. Sunday, Sunday, when you guys walk in, yeah. I have an expectation. <laughs> but we, we yeah, no, thankfulness right. so, matters. So thankfulness matters. So when we magnify God, we're able to see who he really, really is. And then the last one is this, that we need to be able to always Think about our lives with the big picture in mind. It's the very reason we we don't want people pulling a single scripture out and using that to tell people who God is because God is the totality of his word. He's not a single scripture. You could pull lots of sentences out of the Bible completely out of context, and it wouldn't tell you who God is. And it's the same thing with our own lives. We can't take one failure in one area of our life and decide that God doesn't care about us, that God doesn't want good things for us. We've got to own our role in the failure because here's what I can tell you. God didn't play a role in the failures in my life. That was like a one-man show, but he's always waiting, always ready, always sitting on go, wanting to, to, to take me higher, to, to, to show me a new plan so that I can get into that area of success that he wants for me in psalm 139 16 it says you saw me before i was born every day of my life was recorded in your book every moment laid out before a single day had passed god sees the big picture of your life and he wants you to see that too Hebrews 4.13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. And in Isaiah 48.17, it says, This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the paths you should follow. The big picture is this. God wants to be God in your life. And he can't be if you are. And so God sees that big picture. And if we will submit our plans to him, and guess what? The Holy Spirit is a wonderful revealer of the big picture. He guides us through seasons of life where we can't see the big picture. But he often shows us glimpses and helps us to see. And the Bible talks about how right now we see in part and one day we will see in full. But we can see a lot more than what we even see now if we will be open to submitting those plans to God and and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us along the right paths. So George Bailey was a fictional guy, but we're living a real life. And we want a wonderful life. We want a Zoe, God kind of life. I love how as we look at those four things, we start out talking about rebelling against the plan. But we we come back around with the big picture and the plan. God has great plans for your life. You just got to get on board you want a a wonderful life get on board with the plan of God if you want a wonderful life stop allowing comparison to steal your joy if you want a wonderful life be thankful for what God's doing in your life don't be jealous of what he's doing in someone else's if you want a wonderful life Ask God to show you the big picture in those areas where you're really struggling to understand the why behind what you're going through. But a wonderful life is available to you, but it's up to you whether or not you actually experience it. You got to go after it. You got to stop praying for it. I mentioned this a week or two ago. You got to stop asking God for it. He's already done everything you, he needs to do for you to have it. But you might start by asking him what in the world you're doing to get in the way of it. Because that's, that's more often what our problem is. God, am I missing the plan? Am, am I, I focused on something, something distracting me from the plan? Am I unthankful or jealous in ways that I'm not seeing right now? What's the big picture? And God... He doesn't withhold things from us. He wants us. Confusion is not his plan for you. That's right. That's right. So he wants you to know. Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm going to finish with that. I already read it once, but I want you to hear it. This is God speaking. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Let's all get on board with the wonderful life that God has planned for us. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.